Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're now in Lesson 56. And last time we were discussing uh, Chapter 16 of Ezekiel. Now we are in Chapter 28 and Verse 24 where we continue the story. In Chapter 28, if you remember, in Chapter 14 and 28, God is speaking about uh, the same, uh, in essence, the same subject about Lucifer who became Satan and he's using the prince of uh, actually in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 about uh, Lucifer who became Satan and so he's uh, discussing uh, you know the beginning of the chapter this issue and after that after Tyre which is uh, symbolically represented uh, also with uh, Satan that is the prince of Tyre and then he goes to the king of Tyre in Isaiah 14 he went through the the prince of Babylon, the king of Babylon, uh, the type and anti-type, and the king would be for Satan, and uh, the prince would be for the king, uh, the physical king. And then he's speaking about the destruction of uh, of Tyre, and then the destruction of Sidon, and then he comes to Israel in verse 24, and because uh, the reason why uh, these are together, because they're linked, and the link is basically the so-called fight, you know, that you might, you might uh, see uh, I mean, in, in the Christian world, you know, they speak about the word, the fight between Satan and between Christ, or between God and between Satan, and Satan seems to be winning the game, at least that's the way it looks, from the point of view of men, and uh, then you see also, on the same level, on, on a physical plane, you see this constant struggle between the true church and the false church, and oftentimes they're presented in the, in the Bible and the scriptures, the two of them are presented together, one against the other, so to speak. And so once God is going to take care of the false church, now he goes back to his people Israel. And you see that often in the scriptures where the two are side by side. Uh, one is his people, his church, his wife, and that is Israel, and always Israel, and it's nobody, and nobody else. Yes, there are others who are grafted into it, and uh, the few that uh, God said through Moses that he's going to call a people, through whom he's going to anger his own people, so he can bring them back to himself, not replace them. And so in verse 24 we read now, And there shall no longer be a pricking brier or a painful thorn for the house of Israel, from among all those who were around them, who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the eternal God, or I am the Jehovah Elohim. In other words, when God deals with the enemies of Israel, and he's here in specific, speaking in uh, Ezekiel 28, first about the spirit being behind the enemies of Israel that God is going to deal with, and then he's speaking about the nations themselves, and after that he says he's going to deliver his people from all of these enemies who despise them. And the nations have always despised Israel, and God is making the link here. Why? Because the spirit that rules this world, the prince of the darkness of this world, uh, the one that uh, became known as Satan the devil, is the one that is behind that hatred and animosity against the people of God. And that's the reason why you find in the last 2,000 years this animosity against the people of God, the church of God, the wife of God. And God calls those things which are not as though they are, and that's why after even he sent Israel, he still tells them, I'm married to you. And even into the future, when he gives them a message toward the end time, he still tells them, I'm married to you. Because he's going to be married to them, and God 
being eternal, not limited by time as we are, can use past, present, and future as if they are happening at the moment. We cannot do that, but he can. And that's why oftentimes many of the statements about the redemption of Israel are in the past tense. Or the healing of Israel, or the forgiveness to Israel, or the atonement of Israel are in the past tense. That's because to, to God time is not an element. To us it is. So we'll have to see all these things from his point of view, not ours. In other words, in other words you know, think eternal and think divine instead of human and temporary. And so that's what God is going to do the enemies of Israel who despise them. And that's the reason for this lie that has been perpetrated you know, for the last 2,000 years. That God has rejected his people. He got sick and tired of them and all their sins and iniquities. And he chosen us. And even the apostles had to combat this attitude and this deception that was rising within the church. And remind the, the, the non-Israelites that were called into the church, and Paul in specific was the one that was dealing with that, with that problem because he was the one that was sent to the nations. And he saw that attitude there that because of ignorance and no background, no understanding, and he had to put them in their place several times to the Corinthians and then with the Romans, as we shall come to it later on. And verse 25, thus says the eternal God, when I have gathered the house of Israel from the peoples among whom they are scattered and am hallowed in them, that is sanctified in them, in the sight of the nations. You see, I put the one on one side, Israel on one side, and all the nations on the other side. And they are the ones in whom he's going to be sanctified. Just like he was when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and was sanctified in their midst. And married them, made them holy as he is holy. In spite of the fact that they were constantly rebel rousers and rebellious and stiff-necked, as Moses constantly was angry with them all the time for 40 years, yet they were the only, the only church of God. In spite of all their problems, in other words, their problems is not what determined whether they are the church of God or not. It's what God had determined. And people don't get that point. And so he says he's going to be hallowed in the, in the sight of the, of the nations, of the Gentiles, then they will dwell in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. The story never changes. Verse 26. And they will dwell safely there, build houses and plant vineyards. Yes, they will dwell securely when I execute judgments on all those around them who despise them. Then they shall know that I am the eternal their God. And God is going to repeat this statement again and again and again, many times. Because his people Israel don't know him. And many of them who are within the true body of Christ are not aware of it, as they should. And they've been led to, to believe that deception that God put down Israel and picked up the church. And they think, well, we are now the members of that church. And Israel, we're Israel. Well, God is going to deliver them. But they're not the church. We are the church. So even those, it's amazing how it happens. Even those that God called this world. And has been calling for the last many centuries. All the children of Israel, and generally speaking, most of the members of the true church were Israelites all this time. So God still never forsook his people. And yet because that deception entered into the minds and hearts of millions, of hundreds of millions, and now billions, 
about two billions of them, uh, it became a truth to people. And so on, God called many people out of these lies and deceptions and, and, the, and the churches out of which they came, the Revelation 17 churches, they brought with them some of those lies and they think they are truth. And they've got few scriptures here and there to prove it. And totally disregard the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that God had recorded throughout the entirety of the Bible to make the picture very plain that he never rejected Israel as being his wife and he will take them back to himself. And the story of this Bible from the beginning until the end is the story of Israel and the few nations that were grafted along with them and also the deliverance that God is going to bring to all of humanity. But this is the book of the wife of God, of God and his wife, Israel, the church. And so... That's why he repeats that. Then they are going to know that I am the eternal their God. Because no matter how much knowledge and understanding he gives them, and the nations of Israel had the Bible in their hand, you know, they are the ones that spread it all around the world, especially the house of Joseph. They're still as ignorant as they can be in many ways, in many areas, and illuminated in others. It's a mixture of truth and error. This is what God, why God has to call it vomit. Because that's what vomit is, vomit is all about. And then, let's continue now. With, uh, with the story and let's go to uh, chapter 29 and verse 21 where we read at the end of the chapter and again you go through the chapter and you read about uh, the destruction God bring on the kingdoms and punishment and all that and this case on Babylon and then he ends up the story by saying in verse 21 in that day I will cause the horn of the house of Israel to spring and I will open your mouth to speak in their midst then they shall know that I am the eternal. And so it's going to be. And let's go now to chapter 34. We continue the story. And you can see, scripture after scripture, passage after passage, chapter after chapter. The same consistent and persistent same information. That God never rejected his people Israel. So there was never any reason for anybody to ever come up with this lie, with this deception, with this misconception, and pick up a few scriptures supposedly from the New Testament and here and there and say, aha, well, this is what it is. Well, you read the whole book, you get the picture, then you don't get misled. And oftentimes when you take pieces of the puzzles, you know, you think that this, this piece, you know, fits here and this piece fits here, and then you go down the road and realize, no, actually it didn't, and you have to redo the whole thing. And so you've got to read the whole thing first before you start. Just like they tell you with any part that you buy, any little machinery, any instrument. First, first read instructions. Then begin to assemble the, the whatever you're going to assemble. And when people don't do it, you know, they put their own parts together, which seem to be fitting for a while. And after, uh, after a while they realize, uh-oh, that was a mistake. I should have listened to instructions to begin with. And that's what God tells us from the beginning until the end. And that's what the Torah is all about, a book of instructions. You've got to read the whole thing before you start using it. And use it skillfully. And that's why God warned us, don't be many masters. You've got to spend a lot of time first becoming a master before you begin to teach others and think that, you know, and, and, uh, and pass on proper information, not bits and pieces of uh, information which is uh, mixed with uh, error. And so we read now in chapter 34 and verse 11. 
For thus says the eternal God, Indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. Now do you remember what in the New Testament, the same person, Jesus Christ now in the flesh, and here it is, the God of Israel. These are the very statements that he made at that time. That's what he's talking about. I'm the good shepherd. You know, I'm going to go after my flock, and I'm going to gather them. And the ignorant, and the uninformed, and the unlearned, as Peter would say, Read those statements and say, oh, he's speaking about the church. Of course he's speaking about the church. But what church is he speaking about? That's the issue. His people. Israel. And if you don't know the whole story, you get mixed up. So God says, later on in the person Jesus Christ, the same person, saying the same statement. So that says the eternal God. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel in the valleys not on the mountains of Palestine, as some people want to call it, even in our own midst, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. That's a good shepherd. That's the shepherd that David was speaking about. And that's the shepherd that Christ claimed to be. And this is, this is the flock. He says, you know, all those that came before me are thieves and robbers. And the reality is that all those who came after him, the majority of them are also thieves and robbers. That's why I said, many shall come in my name, and say that I'm the shepherd, I'm Christ, and I'm this, and I'm that, and teach all kind of good things too, but also deceive many. And this is one of the major deceptions that they have inflicted upon even the people of God, even those who have the Holy Spirit. They too swallowed that lie. And as somebody used to say, they swallowed it whole line and sinker, without even checking it. Yet they had the scriptures in their own hands, on their own lap. And so he God said, I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And that's what Christ was telling to his apostles. I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is the sheep. This is the only sheep that I have. This is my only flock. This is my little flock. At the time it was little. But he knew it was going to be the entirety of the house of Israel. Not only at his coming, but even at the second resurrection. All those who came out of the body of Jacob are Israel and are the church. And then few others that God grafted all along, even from the beginning of time. And people took, you know, the, the few that God grafted and made them, the, you know, the whole thing. And that's total deception. And so God continues... Uh, in verse 15, and I will feed my flock. That's what the shepherd says. I will feed my flock. And I will make them lie down, says the eternal God. Verse 16, and I will seek that, uh, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. And who are the ones who drive them away but the shepherds of Israel? Even to this day, the shepherds of Israel. Some people don't realize that the overwhelming majority of the, of the, of the leaders of Israel well, the spiritual leaders of Israel in the days of the prophets were always false 
shepherds. It's a minority of them. Very small minority that were the true shepherds, the true prophets. But the majority of the shepherds of Israel were always the false prophets. Go through the scriptures and you'll see that. And that's not different today. That's what Christ himself said. Many shall come in my name. Many shepherds. And shall deceive the, uh, the many. Not the few. To this very day, the overwhelming majority of the shepherds of Israel are false prophets as, God, as far as God is concerned. And even uh, Paul had to say that about the very ministry that many of them he ordained probably even himself in his own day. He said they all seek their own. Speaking about Timothy in contrast, he said, I have no one like-minded like Timothy who will naturally care for you. He said all the others... They all seek their own. And the Corinthians, he said, you know, you've got shepherds who devour you, who make mer merchandise of you, who smite you, and you love them. There's nothing new under the earth. And so God said, and now, he's the God of Israel in the scriptures, but in the New Testament, he's the Lord, the Savior, the Maker. Still the same person, the shepherd, and he says, verse 17, And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. Well, actually, in verse 16, I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away, bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong that is of all shepherds and feed them in judgment. The ones that taught us lies and deceptions for 2,000 years. And he claimed to be the servants of Christ. Oh yes, they know a lot of knowledge and understanding. Satan knows an awful lot. He can quote an awful lot of, of scriptures. But look at the end result of their, their work. How they scatter the flock. They rule them with rigor. With cruelty. You know, they make merchandise of them. They walk all over them. They call them lay member, you know. You, you lay down, you know. I'm going to walk all over you. God never called them lay member. They're all royal priesthood. What do you call royal priesthood lay members? Where did that statement come from, if not from the, you know, Revelation 17 churches? And so the people that use that terminology, this is where they got it from. So it tells you an awful lot about who they are. And if they are not of that fold... And they've been misled. They can be honest enough and repent of that. And change their language. Start speaking like God. Instead of like the false God. And his churches. And so he said in verse 17. As for you, O my flock. That's the flock that Christ was always talking about. The house of Israel. He wasn't talking about somebody else. That's why he was sent to his own. That's why he will come back to his own. To Jerusalem, to the tents of Judah, and then he'll bring back the rest of Israel. That's his own. He never had somebody else. And his death was to atone for his own and the rest of humanity. Not so he can be free from that marriage and then marry somebody else. No, so that he can be from the marriage of the old covenant and now remarry his wife under the terms of the new covenant. That was the intent. And the wise could understand, but the fools could not. The unlearned could not. And so the, to their own destruction, they were wrestling with those scriptures. 
and totally misunderstanding of the apostles we're talking about, and to begin with, they had no background that the apostle had, the apostles, you know, who spoke and the disciples, and therefore they could not understand what they were talking about. And so, verse 18, God says, Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you, you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture? And to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? You take the truth and you make vomit out of it? You mix it with truth, you know, truth and error? You step all over it with your feet and you, and you feed the flock with it? That's what he's telling them. That's what they've been doing for 2,000 years. That's why people, the people of God, believe in this lie. That God put down Israel and picked up the church. And they're making a mockery out of God. And a liar out of God who made all these statements one after the other. That he never forsaken his people Israel. That he will remarry them. That they will be his people, his flock. And they taught a mixture of truth and error and people believed it. Innocent people, sincere people, devout people. And they would defend that truth, supposedly quote unquote truth. With their lives sometimes. And they don't realize they're defending a mixture of truth and error. That is, they're defending vomit. And that's the first reaction oftentimes they have when you tell them that. They get resentful. Until they calm down, begin to read the scriptures. And if they're humble and tremble at the word of God, they begin to see. We've been in error. We've been lied to. We've been deceived. And then like the, the, the disciples that were genuine disciples of the word of God, when they heard Peter, the first sermon, it says they were pricked to their heart and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? While the others, in contrast, when they were told the words of God, they gnashed with, you know, with their teeth against them. And that's when you know the difference between the converted and the unconverted. And so God said, in verse 19, and as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. And that's what we've been eating for 2,000 years. Lies and deceptions. And what the false shepherds trampled with their feet and gave it to us to eat. You see, so all of us must come out of Babylon, because all of us have been deceived to one degree or the other, whether you talk about the house of Israel or the house of Judah. That's a condemnation over all the, the shepherds of Israel, the rabbis, and the priests, and the ministers, and the pastors, and the cardinals, and the bishops, and so forth. Every one of them. The overwhelming majority of them are false prophets, as far as God is concerned. And that's why God is going to deal with them harshly. Verse 20. Therefore, thus says the eternal God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat, that's the false shepherds, but made, you know, at your expense. The first, you know, thing that is on, on their mind is money, money, money. That's why they constantly overemphasize this doctrine of tithing. They want money. That's why. You know, filthy lucre, so to speak, as the Bible calls it. That's what they're after. That's the number one doctrine in their life. So he says, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Ex excommunicated them, threw them out of the church. Sometimes burned them, killed them, destroyed them, turned everybody against them, even their own family members. 
Verse 22, Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And so there are even many people in our midst, among those who do understand better, who are wise, who read this chapter and they apply it to themselves and they forget. This is the house of Israel that God is talking about. This is what the church is. He's not talking about the, the supposed separate entity called the church. He's talking about the house of Israel, the people of God, the people of Israel. This is the subject. Verse 23, And I will establish one shepherd over them and shall feed them, my servant David. Not a seed of David, as the rabbis say in their foolishness, but David himself. That's because the rabbis, you know, like all the others, you know, the other uh, shepherds of the house of Israel, were in Christianity, they believed the same lie. Everybody goes to heaven, so they think David is in heaven. So they say, well, it couldn't be David, because David is in heaven. It's got to be somebody else. And so they fed the flock all these times with lies. Both the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been deceived. And so God said, my servant David. And people don't believe him. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. He was a good shepherd, David. And I, the eternal, I, Jehovah, I, Jesus Christ, I am the Lord, the Redeemer, the Deliverer, the Husband of Israel, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the eternal, I, Jehovah, have spoken. Man is not speaking here. God is speaking. I'm just reading what he can read in your own book. So don't give me the credit for the scriptures, because I didn't write them. And don't blame me for giving you this information, because I didn't invent it. I'm just reading it. Verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. You know, wild beasts and foreign on two. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness, and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. And yet, you see, all this time, both the house of Israel and the house of Judah were being taught lies. When you die, you go to heaven. You go to paradise. Where is paradise here? Where is heaven here? This is what God is talking. Heaven is on earth, not up there. That's what the scripture says in the psalm. The heavens, God made it for himself, but the earth he gave to the children of men. And then he himself is coming and is going to dwell among men. And heaven is going to be on earth, literally. And verse 26, and I will, uh, verse 27, and then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the eternal, because now neither the house of Israel nor the house of Judah, all the members of Judaism and Christianity, and I'm not talking about the nations, the Gentiles, were also supposedly Christians. I'm talking about just the nations of Israel, in specific, northwestern democracies, minus Germany and Austria and other nations there. And, uh, well, this is not the, the, the time to talk about the house of Israel, but for those who are interested in that, there are many sources out there. 27, the, uh, in verse 20, well, actually 27, let's finish that one. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the eternal. When I have broken the bands of their yoke, you know, the bands not only of, of the enemy, but also of the shepherds within them. 
that in essence put them in prison, a prison of lies. God said, I'm going to break it, break the bands of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. And you can enslave people physically and much worse than that spiritually. And the house of Israel has been enslaved by the lies. If you don't behave and you give your, your, your money to us and prestige and fame and all that and you don't worship and bow down in our feet, you know, let us walk all over you, you're going to go to hell. And people were enslaved by that fear. And it's all a lie. Verse 28, And there shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. And God's speaking about the two-legged beasts. Also, that they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the nations or the Gentiles any more, who afflicted them. Uh, that is, verse 30, Thus, they shall know that I, the Eternal, Jehovah, am, that I am their God, and I am with them. And they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the, you know, says the Lord God, the Eternal God. That is, they are my church, my people, my wife, no one else. And yet the false shepherds have succeeded in deceiving even innocent people. And sincere people, and many of the shepherds to begin themselves are sincere and devout, but deceived. And people to this very day will defend this lie. The lie of the church. That is a different entity than the house of Israel. That God rejected his people Israel. Well, read all the scriptures and start wrestling with God. And see if he can win the battle. Verse 31. You are my flock. The flock of my pasture, you are men, and I am your God, says the eternal God. How plain can words be? And thus only, only those who have ears to hear, only those who are humble, only those who tremble at the word of God, as, as uh, you read what God said through Isaiah 66, only those who fear him and tremble at his word are going to acknowledge, yes, We've been told lies. And you cannot deny the word of God unless you are the devil. And many are, unfortunately. And no matter what you tell them, they're going to insist on lies because they prefer darkness rather than light. And so let's see things from the point of view of God and believe it. Chapter 35, Over the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir and prophesy against it and say, to it. That says the eternal God. Now God is speaking about the nation of Edom and most people are ignorant about it because again, lies were taught to the people of God about the identity of Edom. People did not really know their right from their left about the identity of Edom and just, uh, you know, in, in the figment of their own imagination invented uh, a nation that they claimed to be, you know, in specific they said Turkey. And yet the scriptures are very plain who Edom is. And since this is not the time to go through it, later on I'll go through this subject. And the Bible will make it very plain, and history will make it very plain, that the people of Edom are scattered just wherever Jacob is. This is where Edom is. You find them in the, in the Middle East, some of them fighting still over the land among the Palestinians. Not all Palestinians are Edomites. Many of them are Canaanites and Philistines. But many of them are Edomites, children of Amalek. And then you find them in Iraq. That's a major nation in the Middle East of, uh, of Edom. And then the Shigdoms, 
And then many of them went to, uh, in the days of uh, King David, went to Phoenicia and took over that place. That's what Phoenicia became known. Phoenicia means red. When the Greeks came to that territory, they called them Edom. Only they didn't speak Hebrew, they spoke Greek, so they called him Phonic. That's what it means, Phonic, red. The red people, because that's what they were. And from there they went to Spain, and they went to Rome, and they went to Greece, some of them, and they went to Cyprus, and they went to uh, part of Italy, southern Italy, and they went to southern France, and they came to Spain, and from there to the New World. That's what Edom is. You always find them side by side. Jacob, that's why they're constantly fighting back and forth, be it, you know, against the British, or in the Middle East, or here, North and South America. Always fighting over the birthright. And God makes it very plain through the scriptures who they are and through the history. Also, it was preserved who they are, where they went. And if some people are, you know, uh, unaware of that, they misunderstand it and they think uh, Turkey because of, uh, of uh, a statement which is that to begin with they don't understand. Anyway, that's a different issue. But here God is speaking about Edom. And this is what he says about them. Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against you. I will stretch out my hand. And Mount Seir biblically has been linked oftentimes with Babylon. There are many statements that link the two of them together. And make it, because many of them went to Babylon. That's why you find them in Iraq today. And that's why the capital, uh, the oil capital of uh, Iraq today is Bosra, the same ancient capital of Edom, uh, near the Dead Sea. It's not a coincidence. And uh, he says, Oh, behold, the mountains are here. I am against you, and I will stretch out my hand against you and make you most desolate. I shall lay your cities waste, and you shall be desolate. Then you shall know that I am the eternal, because now, obviously, he doesn't. Verse 5, Because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword. And they've done it in the Middle East. And they've done it in Spain. Well, the Inquisition. And they've done it not only with the Inquisition against the Jews, but they've done it against the children of Israel, the Habsburg, that went and massacred hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Israelites in Holland in different places when they ruled over Europe, partly over Europe. And they were doing it here on the, on the border. Only Jacob is stronger, but one of these days Jacob is not going to be as strong, and God is going to allow Esau to have the upper hand. And he's going to take vengeance. And so, verse 5, Because you have had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword in the time of their calamity, when their iniquity came to an end, and that happened several times, and it's going to happen again. Verse 6, Therefore, as I leave, says the eternal God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you. Since you have not hated blood, therefore blood shall pursue you. You know, there are the people that love blood. Red. Violence. It's always in their midst, in their, you know. The only way, oftentimes, uh, the only way they can have a new government is through violence. Verse 7. Thus I will make Mount Seir most desolate and cut off. That is, the whole kingdom, all of them, wherever they may be. And cut off from it the one who lives and the one who, re who returns. And I will fill its mountains, its nations, with the slain. On your hills and in your valleys and in all of, all of your, your ravines. ravines. Those who are slain by the sword shall fall, and I will make you perpetually desolate, and your city shall be uninhabited. Then you shall know that I am the eternal. And listen to this statement, verse 10. That's a revealing statement. Because you have said, these two nations, the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and these two countries shall be mine. What the people all this time for the last many, many centuries who are claiming the land is mine. 
We're fighting over you to this very moment. They want the whole thing. And that was a story that was from the beginning of time. It's not only a recent thing. This, this struggle has been going on for uh, since the day that uh, uh, Jacob and Esau were conceived in the womb. They were struggling. And the struggle goes on until God will put an end to it. So verse 10, God says, Because you have said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we shall possess them, although the eternal was there. That means you didn't consider that, that God was there. That was the land of God and the land of his people. Verse 11, therefore, as I live, and you never want to hear that against you from God. As I live, says the eternal God, I will do according to your anger and according to the envy which you have showed in your hatred against them. And I will make myself known among them when I judge you. And all around the earth, wherever Edom is and Jacob is, you're going to see that struggle all over again. That's why the Babylon and the true church struggle is there all the time. And if you don't understand the, 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 the link there, the biblically revealed link from the beginning of time between Esau and Jacob and Babylon and the true church, that is Israel of God, you don't know what's happening. And you don't really understand prophecies, you think you do. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard all your blasphemies which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, they are desolate. They are given to us to consume. And that's what they've been saying. They're still saying to this very day. That's what Babylon is going to say too. And that's what Iraq, that's the reason why I have this problem there with Saddam Hussein. And people don't know it, don't understand it. And that's why we have the Persian Gulf War. And that's why the Allies are still there. And that's why, as we find out later on in the book of Ezekiel, uh, that is Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to find the copies of Israel, both Judah and Israel, in Iraq, in Iran, in different places in the area, and yet God is going to deliver them, and is going to uh, make them uh, war against those people and destroy them. And that will be the end of the Persian, Persian Gulf War, but not until then. Verse 13, that's with your mouth you have boasted against me. Well, they don't think that they are boasting against him. They think they are boasting against, uh, against you know, the Zionists, as they call them, or the imperialists, you know, the Americans, or whatever. God says, you boast against me. Because you boast against Israel, you boast against me. So you see the, uh, the, the relationship that God still has with his people, and these are his only people. And nowhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the prophets, would you find a reference to a separate entity called the church, that is the true church of God. It's always Israel, 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 Israel. No one else. Some of them are spiritual, who have the spirit, and the majority are physical. But we'll all become spiritual. All Israel is going to be saved. And in the future, when Christ comes, when he marries his church, Israel, some of them will be spirit beings, and the majority physical beings with the Holy Spirit, and then gradually they too will join the ranks of the rest, of the first fruits. And the false church never understood it, so it taught lies. And that's why many of us are still full with lies. Because we swallowed many of those things, and God says, Hey, you are still in Babylon, come out of it. And so God says, Thus says the Lord God in verse 14, The whole earth will rejoice when I make you desolate. And that's the same terminology used about Babylon too, because the two of them are linked. Esau, in essence, joined the false church and became a part of it, part and parcel of that false church. Enemy of Israel, both physically and spiritually. 15. As you rejoice because of the inheritance of the house of Israel was desolate, so I will do to you. 
And you shall be desolate, O Mount Seir, as well as all of Edom. All of it. That's how God feels about these people. Then they shall know that I am the Eternal. And so he continues the story also in chapter 36. And uh, verse 1, And you, son of men, prophesy to the mountains of Israel, to the nations of Israel, and say, O mountains of Israel, and also the mountains within the land itself, hear the word of the Eternal, thus says the Lord God, because the enemy has said of you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possessions. You know, they've taken over that place and called it Palestine. Edom is the one that did it in the days of Rome. The Romans are the ones that gave the name Palestine. And Rome was called in the days of that of uh, that time by the Jews, Edom, because they knew the link between the two. And they called it, that, you know, the took possession of his land. And so in verse 2, that says the eternal God, because the enemy has said of you, aha, the ancient heights have become our possession, therefore prophesy and say, that says the eternal God, because they made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, and they've done it for the past 2,000 years, and they want to continue to do it, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations. And you are taken up by the lips of talkers and slandered by the people. And unfortunately today even Israelites, who don't know that they are Israelites, are putting pressure on their brother Judah to give back the land to Edom, to Babylon, to the Philistines, to the enemies of God. Taking the land of God and giving it to somebody else and how blasphemous it is. And that's a part of the punishment that is coming upon Jacob. For such wickedness. And then tell, uh, telling them also, because they don't even know who they are, that Israel is not, is not the people of God. They are the people of God. Thinking that they are Gentiles. Verse 4, Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the, of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains of the, and the hills, and the rivers, and the valleys, and the desolate wastes, and the cities that have been forsaken, which became plunder and mockery to the rest of all the nations of the earth, and he's speaking not only about his land in that little area of Israel, but he's speaking about all the lands of Israel. They're all going to fall under the boot, you know, Babylon and Edom. But he's with them. Verse 5. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my burning jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom. He's linking them together. He's putting them in the same camp. You know, we're fighting his people Israel. His church, his wife, that he's going to marry. You know, they're not married now. But he's going to marry her, but because God calls things which are not as though they are, and he's in charge of time, and you know, he's not limited by time, he can call her wife, even though she's not wife yet. Verse 6, Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains, the hills, the rivers, and the valleys, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy. See how he repeats that? How angry he is at those people who claim that Israel is not his people, that their land is not their land, and we must not come under this condemnation and under this fury and under this jealousy of God, and yet many of us in our ignorance are and don't even know it, because we believe lies and we defend them. Verse 7, Therefore, thus says the eternal God, I have raised my hand in an oath that surely the nations that are around you shall bear their own shame. That's how angry God is, that he has to swear that he's going to do it, you know. And he is the ultimate one that can say, I swear by God. You don't want to be on the other side when he does it. 
on the wrong side. Verse 8, But you, mountains of Israel, you shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, my church, my wife. How dare anybody say that they are not my people Israel. And for they are about to come. They are coming back. Verse 9, For indeed I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown, speaking about Israel, the land, and the people, and Jerusalem, the symbol of the whole nation, the mother of us all, the true believers. Verse 10, And I will multiply men upon you and all the house of Israel, all of it, all of it, all of them. And the cities shall be inhabited, and the ruins rebuilt, and I will multiply upon you men and beasts, and they shall increase and bear young, and I will make you inhabited as the former, as in the former times. You know, the old marriage is going to be now the new marriage. The new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. How blind can people be and not see all these things? And do better for you than at your beginnings. Then you shall know that I am the eternal, because now Israel doesn't know that. And unfortunately, many people who are the people of God don't know as they should. They think they do. Yes, I will cause men to walk on you, my people Israel. They shall take possession of you, and you shall be their inheritance. No more shall you bereave them of children. That says the eternal God, verse 13. Because you say to, because they say to you, you devour men, and bereave your nation of children, speaking by the land. Therefore you shall devour men no more, no bereave your nation any more, says the eternal God. Nor will I let you hear the tones of the nations any more, which they've been doing that for centuries, thousands of years. No bear the reproach of the peoples any more, nor shall you cause your nation to stumble any more, says the eternal God. And we shall stop at this point. Again, this is Mordecai Joseph saying greetings to all of God's people. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.